This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. My guest today is conservative Republican Joe Walsh, a former congressman who once ran for president and then blew up his life when he spoke out against the MAGA cult and gave Trump the bird. I can respect that. And whether or not the January 6th hearings becomes a turning point for people who believe the big lie and that the insurrection was a peaceful protest, it's time that people grasp reality. America's in trouble, folks. Walsh and I differ on many of the issues, but we both agree on that. The GOP is no longer conservative, and to quote Joe, Republicans have become fully radicalized in anti-democracy. Both Joe and I use our platforms to educate anyone who will listen. Joe's podcast, White Flag, strives to find a path to unite, not divide us politically, but he pulls no punches in his book, Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man he is. Nice title. Joe and I feel driven to warn the country that the dark elements of the MAGA cult look and smell a whole like fascism. I say that in all seriousness. I'm not a doom and gloom type guy, and you'll find that neither is Joe. But we both get who Trump is and what Trumpism is all about. And it's not small government or the rule of law. No, it's about getting what you want, when you want, and by any means necessary. In other words, Trump wants to be a strongman like Putin and Viktor Orban and his buddy little rocket man Kim Jong-un. And he's not alone. Other GOP frontrunners for the Republican nomination in 2024, like Ron DeSantis and the ever-sneering jerk-off Ted Cruz, are spouting straight-up authoritarian rhetoric all the time. And lying like it's sport. Because to them, it is. And their fucking base loves it. It's what they want, whether they know it or not. So Joe and I are going to spend the next hour debating our differences, sure, but we'll also discuss where we think the country is going and how Democrats need to learn to fight if we're going to hold on to democracy and get America back on track. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Joe... You and I actually have a lot in common. I mean, we're both men of a certain age, right? We're both getting a little bit gray as a result of this, right? I mean, in all fairness, you know, we've been around. Um, Our lives have both been upended as a result of the cult of Donald J. Trump. In fact, I've actually heard you say that you left the cult. And again, I can relate to that one. You were a tea partier when you were in the house, but eventually you turned against Trump and then you swung towards the middle, which is, which is where I am. I always say I'm a social moderate and I'm a fiscal conservative. If you would, tell my audience what happened to your radio career and basically your life in general when you said that you wouldn't support Trump any longer. Hey, Michael, first off, great to be with you, my friend, and, and keep doing what you do every single day, brother. I mean it. Um, look, I, I, I think I hope most of your audience really understands that if you're a Republican or a conservative and you stand up in the public square and say, fuck it, I'm done with him. I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him. Um, your life is destroyed. You can never run as a Republican again. Uh, your livelihood's screwed. I was a talk radio guy. I lost my radio show. Fox News said, see you later. And Michael, you know this. The minute you publicly oppose Trump, 
you get bombarded by death threats regularly. Uh, that's what I've had to live with. You can relate for the last five years. It sucks. Yeah, you could tell me that again. But you see, here's a little bit of the difference. I was never a Republican. It's a, it's, it's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's just inaccurate. I've been a Democrat my entire life. I mean, you know, and I always tell people in 1987 and 88, I worked for Congressman Joe Moakley of Massachusetts yeah. while I was attending American University. Um, on top of that, I mean, I've look. I did switch party. Um, I did once uh, so that I could run as a Republican. In essence, I did what Trump did. Right. He's not a Republican. Yeah. He's not a he's Democrat. Nothing. He's not an independent. He's just a fucking asshole that, is, well, you know, has jumped onto whatever suits him for the moment. But so many people, including like Mayor Bloomberg, did it. You know, they jumped to a yeah. party because I was asked by Governor Pataki to run against Eva Moskowitz in like 2002 yeah. uh, for city council. I didn't win. But I had, what, four weeks, five weeks within which to jump in. They didn't have it. Somebody, so I thought I'd give it a shot, see what it's like. And the other time that I switched, which actually I didn't even do it willingly, um, I was the vice chair of the RNC Finance Committee. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I was a Democrat. Uh, and so Steve Wynn, uh, who was the chair of the RNC Finance Committee, uh, had me switch. And then as soon as uh, I left and, you know, um, and the election was over, uh, I went and I switched back to, you know, my my rightful party. Hey, Michael, but that's you, that, you, you, you're raising a really good point. Um, you called me a Tea Party guy. I, I, I was and I still am. I don't know of anybody else who did what I did who came from the hard right. I came from the hard right and I, I moved away from Trump. Um, I, I'm not really in the middle. I still consider myself a Tea Party libertarian. I call myself a woke righty, but I don't know anybody else, Michael, on the hard right who went away from Trump. Most of them moved toward him. And what was it that got you to leave? I know what got me to leave. It was called prison, right? Um, you know, where I finally realized that this Mandarin fucking Mussolini has yeah. decided that anybody that catches his eye or anybody that's willing to provide legitimate information against him becomes a target. And yeah. so, you know, this is unfortunately what I had to contend with. But I'm curious, tell my my, my listeners, what is it that woke you up because nothing would make me happier than if we could create some sort of massive, massive hand, yeah. right? That would be big enough and slap the entire country in one gigantic swoop to wake them up. And I'm talking about the Republicans now to wake yeah. them up and understand that this grifter in chief, this narcissistic sociopath, this ignorant, arrogant, orange crusted, dusted, bloviated <laughs> asshole right? What, you know, it's fucking yeah. fleecing them of their money. So what is it that woke you up? Michael, I fucked up in 2016. I voted for him. Um, I didn't pay enough attention to him. I didn't know him like you knew him. I, I never watched The Apprentice. During that 2016 campaign, I'm on the radio all over the country. I'm on Fox News every day. This may sound weird. I never paid attention to him. I didn't take him seriously. The minute he got elected, Michael, um, I started to listen to him. And I found out in a matter of days that every fucking time he opened his mouth, he told a fucking lie. That started to move me away from him. And then as I paid attention to him, 
it just became clear that he didn't give a damn or a fuck about anybody else but himself. Russia interfered in our election to help get him elected. He didn't care about that. All he cared about was was himself. So I started to move away from Trump after he got elected. The final straw, Michael, for me was Helsinki in the summer of 18, when the son of a bitch stood up with Putin and said, I'm with Putin and not my own people. That was my, my final straw. I went on my radio show that night and I said, I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him. That's when I began to lose everything. The other the other thing I'll say, Michael, is because I come from the cult every day, I still talk to people in the cult. <laughs> and every week, Michael, I am able to pull a few people out of the cult. Uh, most of them just say, fuck you, Joe, and they want nothing to do with me. But every week I can move a few. I had a guy on a big hardcore Trumper. We had two conversations, three conversations, Michael. And he fi- the light bulb went off and he finally said, fuck it. I'm done with him. I'll never support him again. And the reason he moved was he realized that Trump was lying to him all the time. He realized that. And he wanted nothing to do with it. You know, it's funny since you talk about lies. Do you know how many false or misleading statements, claims that Trump made over his four years of the presidency? And I'm not making this up. This is a number posted by Washington Post and uh, Forbes and, you know, a handful of other, um, you know, newspapers, PolitiFact. And so- it's an undercount, Michael. I think so, too. But. What do you think the number that's being reported? Like, I, 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 kind of an educated guess. It's like sixteen or seventeen thousand some lies, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> Thirty thousand five hundred and seventy-three yeah. over four years. I mean, it's like, how do you just how do you describe a number like that? I mean, it's. It's obviously more than the number of votes he was trying to get out of Raffensperger. That's certainly for sure. But this is a joke. 30,573 fucking lies to the American people as the president of the United States. And yet there's still this 24, 25, 26 percent of the Republican Party that are diehard Trump supporters. You know, I watch on all the. And Michael, it's bigger than that. Uh, again, I, I, I go on MSNBC and CNN a lot, almost every day now, and, and they have no clue what Republican voters say. I talk to Republican voters every day. Trump's hold on this party. I mean, he's got, to me, 40 to 50 percent of Republican voters who are diehard mega. There's another 20 percent, Michael, who lean mega. Uh, but they kind of maybe wish DeSantis would run because there's so much chaos with Trump. But those are Trump people, too. So he's got, I think, a firm hold on 70 percent of Republican voters, which is why I think he's going to be the nominee going well, away. Look, so obviously there have been a multitude of polls that are out there, including one recent that shows that DeSantis, if in fact they went head to head for the nomination today, uh, DeSantis wins by three to four points. Now, of course, there's a plus or minus 5% uh, margin of error. Nevertheless, DeSantis, in many of these polls now that are coming out, some, you know, you don't really give too much weight and credibility to. Others, obviously, like these, um, you know, these more well-known uh, pollsters, 
you give a little bit more credence to. But as it appears right now, and I'm no fan of DeSantis. I think DeSantis yeah. is is Donald Trump 2.0. He's just yeah. smarter and more slick. Because, look, it's very, it's hard to imagine. You get a guy with this cotton candy shit growing on top of his head, and it doesn't make you laugh enough not to vote against him. Now, one thing I do have to say, you're a little like me. Hard on yourself. Oh, you voted for Trump in 2016. So did I. And with all due respect to Hillary Clinton, she's the only person he could have beat. I'm yeah. telling you, she is the only one because she's more flawed as a presidential candidate for the time than Donald Trump was. So it's not that people wanted Trump to win. It's just that they didn't want Hillary to win. So they fucking held their nose and they pulled the lever for Trump. One thing Trump did do is he was excellent when he spoke to people and said, I'm not a politician. Yeah. Quite frankly, I'm just a rich guy who wants to get back to the country. And people bought into his apprentice bullshit, ultimately. And so how would you have known? How would I have known? And I was sitting next to this man for over a decade. I never in my life thought he would be the motherfucker that he turned out to be, that he would be this fucked up, immoral, you know, just wackadoodle that ended up wanting to destroy democracy because he actually wants to be a dictator, a monarch. Yeah. He wants to be the Fuhrer, the supreme leader. It's what he wants. He wants to be Vladimir Putin. And, 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 and Michael, on top of all of that, like I, Trump's voters used to be my voters. They used to be my supporters. So I understood in 2016 why they loved the guy. I got it. I, I was saying the same thing back then Trump was saying. Washington sucks. We need some disruption. We need to shake Washington up. Yeah. I still feel that. I still feel that way. And, and so I understood why all these folks voted for Trump because they were my people. Uh, you nailed it, though. The problem was it was all bullshit. He's a demagogue. He didn't mean any of it. But importantly... Hillary Clinton was the poster child for an establishment politician. Correct. Correct. Now, the crazy part here is Trump never really wanted to be president. And I say this all the time. This was supposed to be the greatest infomercial in the history of U.S. politics. This was I a branding stop, my stunt. Friend. I've heard you say that a bunch. Do you really believe he didn't want to be president? I know it. Who do you think is the one that started the campaign? Yeah. <laughs> Right. The whole thing, the whole thing was all about brand establishment, recreating and re-establishing uh, the brand as a dominant brand in the United States. That's what it. That's what it was all when, about. But then, man, but I do but also then, want Michael, to say this too. When, when during that campaign, Michael, when you were with him, when did he sort of change and he sort of said, "Oh my God, I can fucking win this thing." When he was leading in the polls. Okay. When he was leading in the polls, he said, "Oh, holy shit." He goes, we could really pull this off. But, but he's very superstitious. Let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. He actually didn't even think he was going to win on election night, which is why he wasn't at the hotel yeah. with the rest of us. He was home because he didn't want people to see him upset and, you yeah. know, and angry that Hillary, like what everybody thought was going to happen, was going to, you know, walk away with this presidential election. That's why at 11, 12 o'clock at night, when they finally called it, he had to have, you know, some help. And they wrote uh, the speech and he came out there and he rambled on for 55, 60 minutes and whatever. It's, you know, 
it is. Did you, Michael? Was, did you? I will. Did you? I will also during just that campaign, say, did you think? Did you think? Was there a point where you thought he could win? Yeah, and in fact, I said it on CNN to Chris Cuomo. I said, you know, keep laughing at him. One day you're going to call him Mr. President because yeah. I realized exactly what was going on. I realized that he was somehow attracting the silent majority, that group Bingo. that's not far right or far left, and he was saying the right things. Look, let me be very clear about this, too. It's not that Trump's policies are all bad. They're not. I think most people <laughs> will turn around and tell you that every single country in this world has borders, right? And it's a line that, in fact, I gave to Trump that he walks around and he says all the time, he, you know, claims it to be his own. Where I turn around and I said to him, a country without borders, quite frankly, isn't a country. Bingo. And he took that for himself. And I don't think anybody can disagree with that statement. He, of course, right. had to take it to the extreme. Now, mind you, Trump was always an asshole, always. But I'll tell you, not like, the, not like President Trump. You know, yes, he was an asshole. Yes, we fucked over contractors and so on. And I love when all of these fucking haters on, you know, on Twitter and social media, you know, well, you work for the guy for 10 years, therefore you're a piece of shit. You deserve to go to jail. Why? Because we fucked over some contractors? Yeah. Seriously? Now all of a sudden, Don Winslow, as an example, you fucking scumbag, right, who wants to attack me on, on social media? Oh, you know, Michael Cohen's not, you know, shouldn't have been on Don Lemon last night and yada. yada. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what a fucking loser. Anyway, so the point is you have these people who turn around and they want to attack you. Oh, you work for Donald Trump. By the way, and I have this in my next book, which is coming out. It's going to be called The Department of Injustice or something like that, where I turn around and I said, if every person that worked for a scumbag quit, our unemployment rate would be so far greater than 3%. All right. Yeah. It'd probably be 50 percent. So the fact that I worked for him, he wasn't always a scumbag. See, that's the whole thing. He became the worst version of himself when he tasted the power and realized, holy shit, you know, I could I could become king. I could be a ruler. And that's why he even turned around and said, I'm the president of the United States of America. I have the right. I could do whatever I want. In essence, I'm the king. Nobody has the right to question me. He doesn't understand government. He doesn't understand politics. And in fact, that failure to comprehend is how he ended up becoming president. Yeah. Hey, M hey Michael, by the way, just one as a sidelight. Um, and I know you do this because uh, you get a lot of hate like I get hate. Just you fucking just ignore them. Look, it took courage for me to leave that cult it took courage for you to do what you did. Fuck all the haters. Well, in all fairness, you know, I, I give you more credit in that regard than I. Uh, I left the cult because I was incarcerated, you know, and then, you know, very much like the Count of Monte Cristo when he's sitting in that cell at, you know, Chateau d'If, um, you know, I realized exactly the game yeah, that hey, Trump hey, was playing. Hey, my friend, can I ask you a question I've never asked? Forget about the incarceration. You would have left that cult no matter what, correct? You know, I'm going to be very honest with you. I do. don't know what I, whether I would have. And many people in prison who were big Trump supporters, you know, would call me fool and stupid. Yeah. That had I just shut my mouth, had I played the Paul Manafort, Roger Stone type game, yeah. that I would have gotten a pardon and I'd be 
back in the in the mix with the president. Chances are I'd be working at Fox News, you know, doing yeah. my shtick there. Look, Maya Culp is a fucking success. Thanks to all of yeah. my listeners. Thanks to guests like yourself. You know, we're top 50 podcasts. I'm over 28 million downloads already. Right. Fantastic. I mean, it is it is what it is what it is. But I want Maya Culpa to be more than just a podcast. I want it to be a movement because, as I say to everybody all the time, we are watching the disintegration of our democracy day in and day out. We have an out-of-control Supreme Court. Actually, let me, I'm going to bring that up as the next question. We have a completely out-of-control Supreme Court that's looking to strip everyone of their rights. And believe me, I know what it's, what it's like to have your constitutional rights taken from you being, I think I'm the first political prisoner in this history of our country to be incarcerated because I failed to waive my First Amendment constitutional rights, and Donald set the whole thing up for an unconstitutional remand. Now I have that lawsuit going. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I've heard you say on your podcast recently that the Republicans are a dying breed, old, out of touch, and I personally feel like they're working against the American people and... Not for them, but they've rigged the system in their favor. I mean, for example, like the six to three Supreme Court, they've now limited voter rights and you have gerrymandering. In short, the GOP is morally challenged and really not Christian, which is what they're trying to claim that they are in the real sense of the word. Why well, haven't I mean, reasonable, let me ask you this, why haven't reasonable people left the GOP and become independent? Uh, Michael, some have. Uh, uh, I'm independent right now. Most haven't, uh, because if you do, as you and I started this conversation, you lose everything. I, I mean, look, look I, I was going to be the next Rush Limbaugh. I could have gone back to Congress. I could have done whatever. But I stood against Trump and I lost everything. These guys, they don't want to lose the office they've got. They want to get reelected. Guys like Hannity and everybody else on radio and TV, they want the ratings. They want the clicks. So they know you can't stand up against Trump. So they look, look you and I have talked about it before. They all they've all sold their soul. Most every Republican that I speak to privately, privately, thinks of Trump the way you and I do. Most will never say that publicly. Uh, and which is, by the way, Michael, which is going to be a real problem because he is going to run again and they're going to have to keep their mouths nah, shut. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not going to run again. Trust me on that one. That's just I'm a betting big... you lunch, man. You uh, and I are you... betting lunch on that. Deal. Deal. But you know what? You're right. You do lose everything. People have no idea what this bullshit has cost me and my family. Forget yes. about our happiness. How about my law license, my business, my finances? And everyone's like, oh, well, you went to work for Donald Trump, you know, uh, for, for the money and so on. That's not true. And if they read my book, Disloyal... I was retired at the age of 39. I was the second richest guy in the office to Donald Trump. I was richer than yeah. his fucking kids, you know, at the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, so again, haters will say whatever the hell that they want to say simply to try to pull you down. But then there are two people or more that have stood up and you're right, have lost everything. Liz Cheney. <coughs> Adam Kinzinger. Yeah. He's not running again, right? And so Liz Cheney is not going to win. I mean, they, they hey, say she doesn't, hey, even, um, she doesn't Michael, even have a chance. Yeah, Kinzinger's a good friend. He and I got elected together. Adam didn't run because he knew he couldn't win. He knows 
Adam knows there's no place in this party for him. You're right about Liz Cheney. She's going to get annihilated next month. But that's my point. He knows. He's a smart guy. He's a, yeah. he's a good guy. You can see. I mean, why does everything between Republican and Democrat have to be about, you know, it's empathy versus lack of empathy, right? So if you're, you know, for example, Jim Jordan, did you listen to that bumbling fucking moron in a half, that jerk off, when they asked him about this 10-year-old that got raped and abortion, and he's like fucking Porky Pig Joe. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's like, you know, you got Manu Raju sitting there and saying to him, maybe you should apologize to the family. God forbid. God forbid any Republican ever apologizes for a mistake. God forbid the prosecutors. God forbid judges. God forbid any of these, you know, Republicans, you know, uh, apologize for anything because redemption it does not exist in their world right i have the badge it's my way or the highway it it's insane what's going on here he knew michael he michael, knew he couldn't win uh, uh jim jordan and i used to be best friends i mean best friends we don't even talk anymore um yes because jordan jordan look jordan said i'm with trump and and the democrats are socialists and uh, I don't care if Trump's a bad guy. He's my coach, whatever. Uh, but that's where most that's what most of the Republicans have done or they just hid under their bed and stayed quiet. Yeah. By the way, neither works. Right. Neither no. works if you're really interested in this country, in the future, in the Constitution, you know, and democracy. So, Joe, let me then ask you this, because I know you're pro-democracy. I think yeah. we may lose our democracy if Democrats don't win in the, you know, the election, especially in the midterms and, of course, the general, uh, but the midterms in November. At the end of the day, all the bullshit about gas prices and inflation is what the Republicans are going to be running on. But gas prices and inflation, they're just temporary, right? Laws and authoritarianism are hard to get rid of once that they're, you know, they're entrenched into the system. Do you think your old friends in the GOP know where the game is headed? Or do they think that they're going to be at the top of the game? And so they were looking to ride Trump's coattails. The, that one, Michael, they're looking to be at the top of the game. They believe, and I think they're probably right, Republicans are going to take back the House and maybe the Senate. Um, they know that. And, and look, I agree with you. I, and I've said it now. Our, our democracy is hanging by a thread. The Democrats have done an absolutely shitty job of conveying that message to the voters. I, Joe Biden's a hell of a nice guy. He's too old. He can't do it. I need a Democrat, Michael, who will grab the American voter by any body part. And I mean, I, I want a fighter. I want a Democrat who will tell us what's at stake. They haven't done that. Um, and because of that, most people most people aren't paying attention to the January 6 hearings and the January 6 hearings aren't going to impact the midterms at all, um, which is an absolute shame because they should. Yeah, but look, you're you're. I'm not 100 percent sure it's not impacting. Obviously, you know, it is amazing theater watching not just Cassidy Hutchinson. She gets a lot of credit. Um, yeah. you know, and I think she did a great job. I think she's an articulate, you know, young woman, um, 25 years old. I give her all the credit in the world. She really held herself up there. Um, it's not going to be great for her career going forward. No. Uh, so she's giving up a lot. But, you know, um, there were many, many um, witnesses that came forward that also provided 
more clarity uh, into the scenario, because that's really what this is. It's their testimony regarding documents and phone calls and text messages and handwritten notes that the that the committee already has in their possession, just to give it some clarity and some faces behind it. But I'm not so sure you're right that the hearings are going to do anything. It's so reminiscent to me of the Mueller hearings. And I just yeah. I don't know. It's really now up to Merrick Garland to start to hold a whole group of these folks accountable for their actions. This was an insurrection, plain and simple. And all it was is for Donald Trump to have the ability to hold on to power, to authoritarianism. But what I really meant when I was asking you about them staying with him because they want to be like during the old Roman times with Caesar, right? Yeah. You had your senators. They want yeah. to be that class. And, you know, here's a warning, too, for all of these insanely wealthy mega billionaires that have latched on to the coattails of Trump because profit-wise, he's been really good for them, right? More Billionaires were created under Trump's four years, more than 1,000 billionaires. Um, the second that he comes into power, if he ever did, he would do the same thing Mohammed bin Salman did. He'll take them not to the Ritz-Carlton, he'll take them to one of his Trump properties. He'll put them into, the, into one of the rooms, into his, one of his you know, disgustingly gaudy ballrooms, hang yeah. them upside down, and take all their money. So you get guys like Elon Musk. Jeff Bezos, Elon, how much you're worth? I don't know, about 300 billion, maybe 310, 308. I don't even know, it fluctuates, right? He'll be like, no, you're not. What do you mean? He goes, yeah, no, no, I, I actually am. So he goes, that's what you were. He goes, I'll leave you with two, and I'm taking the other 298. And then he'll be like, you can't do that. Well, it's either you sign off on it, or I just put a, I have them take you outside and put a bullet right through your head because he's fucking sick. And people don't realize this need to be number one in his mind is what's really driving him crazy. And when and that's why he's attacking, for example, Elon Musk. Oh, he came, you know, to the Oval Office. I could have had him on my knees. That's a little bit of a fucked up comment, you know, by Trump yeah. in multiple yeah. different ways, right? Um, but right. it's it's just fucked up, and that's how he thinks. Hey, hey, Michael, one one point that's important, and I know you know this. I want your listeners to know it. Uh, look, I come from the base, the GOP base. I come from mega world. These people want a strong man. I mean, they want an authoritarian. That's a big part of why they fucking love Trump and they've loved him from the beginning. These people, Republican voters, I talk to them every day. They, they've given up on democracy. They want a strong man to give them what they want. Um, and do they not understand Joe? to realize that. Yeah, but Joe, do they not understand that Trump wouldn't cross the street to piss on them to put a, to put them out no, if they were on fire? They don't. So what do you they don't. So you want a strong man who's going to do absolutely nothing for you? Great. Once again, a whole bunch of geniuses, right? So Joe, let me ask you this because you're pro small government. Now most yes. Republicans say that they are, but re really, let's face it: authoritarianism means huge government. Right. Yeah. That watches every single aspect of our lives. I mean, like, look at how DeSantis right Bingo. now is abusing his power in Florida. And he may be the Republican nominee. So the Republicans can't pretend to be about small government anymore. At least that's my take on it. What does conservatism even stand for anymore? Michael, you're spot on, brother. Look, I'm I'm a conservative. 
I left the Republican Party because I'm a conservative. This party isn't conservative anymore. It is, as you said, authoritarian. Republican voters want DeSantis, Trump, whoever it is, to, to go after their enemies. Um, they, they want DeSantis or Trump to give them the things they want. That's not conservative. They want DeSantis or Trump to use the power of government to go after their enemies and give them things. Uh, that's the furthest thing from what I am politically. But that's where this party is, Michael. And I don't think it's changing. I really don't. <laughs> we better make it change. That's why your voice and like Midas and mine and Lincoln Project yeah. and Democracy Now! And, you know, I mean, it's so important. And that's why somewhere along the line, we all have to get together. We all have to put on like a CPAC type of thing. We'll call it DPAC. And we have to get out there and we have that's to make this Democratic Party. We have to make it exciting. You want to be a Democrat. You want to be for rights, for, you know, for um, human rights. You want to be for things like not having government in your bedroom telling you what to do. So let me ask you this, because I know that your wife is from Highland Park, Illinois, yeah. where, you know, as we know, on the 4th um, of July, seven people died and so many were injured because of another, another mass shooting in America. And I know that you've worked with my friend David Hogg, and I have so Great much guy. respect for this young man, right? But you're, you are against any gun bans, right? But think we should do everything that we can to stop that kid from having yeah. a gun in the first place, right? So how would you do this? Because there was, there was a law against AR-15s in Highland Park at the time mm. of the shooting. Should anyone who's not in, this is my opinion now, right? And Give it to college me. Give it room, to me. My college roommate was from Highland Park. A bunch of my fraternity brothers oh, cool. in college were from Highland yeah. Park. Should anyone who's not in the military be able to buy an AR-15 legally? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Michael, uh, and I know you know this, virtually every gun bought in America today is semi-automatic. Every rifle is semi-automatic, every handgun. They're all semi-automatic. All the AR-15 is, is a scarier looking semi-automatic rifle. If you tried to ban the AR-15, there's going to be a bunch of other kinds of uh, semi-automatic rifles. And in 99.9% of the people out there, like me, who own AR-15s, use them for hunting, uh, target practice, sporting, and even home defense. So I think it's impossible to ban any kind of gun. What we should do is make sure a punk like that punk, that evil punk in Highland Park, can't get a gun. There's no way on God's green earth that guy should have gotten a gun. We need stronger background checks, universal background checks. These things called red flag laws, Michael, we got to fucking enforce them. I come from Illinois. Illinois has a real strong red flag law. It wasn't enforced. And that kid purchased a gun. Look, I totally agree with you in the fact that um, if they didn't use an AR-15, they would find another substitute for it. Now, yeah. prior to my felony conviction, um, I held one of a thousand licenses here in New York for a, a concealed carry. 
Um, Tough to get, Michael, in New York. It's nearly impossible, but I did it based upon death threats and uh, an FBI death uh, assessment uh, that was done in order to determine that I should be permitted, uh, you know, to carry for my own safety. Yeah. I hate the AR-15 rifle. Right. I hate any of these military rifles that, as far as I'm concerned, belong only on a battlefield. When I listen to the police officers turn around and say that we had to bring the parents in for a DNA swab because we just didn't know what kid was what kid. And the only way we were able to determine who this child was was based upon the shoe that, you know, that she was wearing, a Converse pair of shoes. This weapon... It doesn't, it doesn't just put a hole in you, right? This thing shreds you to pieces. I mean, this is like having, as far as I'm concerned, it's like having an, uh, a land-to-air rocket launcher. You can't buy that. You can't buy a hand grenade, right? I mean, you can't even buy dynamite without a license. Right? I, and not, I, ju- not, you can't walk in as an 18-year-old and buy sticks of dynamite. I just, I just believe that... There are certain weapons, and I am not for a gun ban. I am for background checks and proper. I went through a hell of a background check, and I have no problem with it. That's the right within which to carry. But these weapons are so fierce. They they just are. They are so fierce that I just personally believe that they belong on only a battlefield. And, and brother, I hear you. I respect you. I disagree with you only it's in okay. that. But, 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 but here's the cool thing. We got to do something. And that's why I got together with David Hogg. David and I disagree on almost everything. But we found areas where we agreed. And that helped, by the way, get this latest bill passed that Biden signed a week ago. We need to do more. But here's the deal, Michael. I think you'd agree with this. I'm a responsible gun owner. Fuck the NRA. I left the NRA five years ago. Fuck them. They have no interest in any reform. We need to get responsible gun owners, most of whom can't stand the NRA. We need to get us to stand up to get more reform going. Totally, totally for you. Look, if there was proper reform that would keep the guns, and you're not going to keep 100% out. Look, look at what just happened in Japan, right, with, with Shinzo yeah. Abe, right? This guy built himself a firearm and assassinated the, the you know, the, the, the former, um, yep. you know, president. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is not, this doesn't mean that there's not going to be an issue. And I like these idiots that say, well, you know, uh, he could have done the same thing with a baseball bat. He'd go into a class. It's a totally different story. Right. And, the, you know, yes. when people start making these sort of, um, you know, far fetched claims, it just goes to show you, you know, how uh, out of touch that these guys, you know, exactly. really, re- really are. You know, I mean, look, they took out, you know, um, they, they took out Shinzo Abe um, with a two pieces of pipe. Right. Yeah. Uh, manufactured in a guy's garage. So, look, I've assumed that you've watched the hearings, you know, as have I and understand yeah. and understand differently than others. The case against Trump and his co-conspirators. What do you think happens if he's indicted or better? What happens if he's not indicted? Uh, you, you know what, Michael? Uh, 
I don't want Garland, Merrick Garland, to be driven by politics, right? That's what Trump did with his attorney general. He wanted Bill Barr to be his fucking personal lawyer. The attorney general is independent. The decisions the attorney general makes cannot be political. They got to be driven by the facts. But, Michael, if, if Garland is afraid to prosecute Trump because he's a former president, that's being political, too. And look, here's what I think. You use the powers of your office to try to overthrow an American election. If that's not a fucking crime, I don't know what is. I think he's afraid. I think Merrick Garland's afraid, Michael, that if he indicts Trump and can't convict him, it'll make Trump stronger. Uh, look, I hope um, I'm wrong. I don't know what is going on with the DOJ. Listen, I can't get a single response. In fact, not only can I not get a response, you may remember about two years ago, um, Ted Lieu and Hakeem Jeffries sent a request in in order to investigate a whole slew of different things that were done against me, uh, including the unconstitutional remand. And so, yeah. Now, what's amazing, they're members of Congress. You'd understand this as a former member. Yep. You put in your request for an investigation to be opened. And in this specific case, Michael Horowitz, ah, fuck you, Joe, right? We're not even going to yeah. answer you. 18 months goes by. 18 yeah. months. By dink, I'm on Alex Witt. And right after or right before me is um, Ted Lieu. And so wow. when I'm speaking to her in advance, so he must have been after me. And I said, you know, why don't you ask him, whatever happened to the investigation? Whatever happened to a response? Dude, not even a response. They don't give a shit. One branch doesn't speak to another. One organization doesn't share with the other. Getting your FOIA documents is nearly impossible. I don't care whether the court turns around and says you're entitled to expedited processing. They'll tell you we're shorthanded. The most you yeah. can get is 500 documents a month after we redact the shit out of them. And the worst part, like in my case, they made a statement that there were no documents that fell into the um, purview of my FOIA request. When in fact, after pressing them, because I had five documents, yeah. and they were like, oh, you're right. And then Mark Zaid, uh, you know, from the Madison yeah. Project, he went ahead and he filed the 450 plus thousand documents. No, no, no. Get a look. For more than 450,000 documents. I have to live 90 years before which I'd get the final batch of redacted documents. This is not right. How am I supposed to turn around and show that Bill Barr, at the direction of and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump, incarcerated a U.S. citizen because they yeah. didn't want a book to come out, because they wanted to stifle someone's First Amendment rights. And I warn people, the second, this, I, I don't think it was 100% solely just to fuck me over. In fact, I believe that it was done as a test run to see how far that they uh, could push the Constitution. No different yeah. than the insurrection, because how do you create an autocrat? The first thing you do yeah. is you stop everybody from being able to say what they want. Just watch The Handmaid's Tale. It's the same thing. Stop and prevent people from saying what they want and then have yeah. your own militia, right? And so this is what I believe that Trump and the GOP are doing. And if people don't smarten up and really wake up and wake up quickly, 
the America that we grew up in, the America our is children is are gone. going to inherit is gone. It's, it's gone. gone. And it's scary. So let me ask you this, because I know that you've claimed to be pro-life. But how do you feel about the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe? The ruling, because the ruling leaves the door open to ban or limit a whole host of other hard-won rights. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about Clarence Thomas, but he's been pretty clear that he wants to eradicate affirmative action, eradicate gay marriage, and on and on and on. I've heard this court call, um, what do they call it, Christo-fascist, right? As in Christian-fascist. What's your take on that? Explain to my listeners what that's even about. So, so, yeah, this is scary, Michael. We don't want the Supreme Court making law in this country. The court that we've got now is moving in that direction. Look, I, uh, I don't call myself pro-life anymore. I am pro-life, but everybody's pro-life. You know, Michael, on the pro-life side, we used to use that verbiage as a weapon. Like the other side doesn't care about life. That's bullshit. We all care about life. I thought the Roe, I thought uh, Roe v. Wade, I thought was a horribly flawed, poorly reasoned decision. I believed it needed to be overturned. And so now it has. And I believe this decision, uh, when it comes to abortion, should be left up to the American people. Here's the thing, though, Michael. I think my side, the pro-life side, is now going to go idiotically extreme and they're going to ban abortions from day one. They're already doing it. They're going to want to imprison doctors. They're already doing it. They're going to want to stop people from traveling state to state to get an abortion. And most pro-life people, Michael, don't support this stuff. Most pro most Americans believe that abortion should be legal, you know, the first trimester up to viability, and then there need to be restrictions. I think that's where most states are going to end up, if that makes sense. Well, yes, but problematic because first and foremost, government should never be in your bedroom. And whether you're pro-life or you're um, pro-choice, it is ir- to me what you choose to do based upon your faith, yeah. is your faith, right? Um, it's none of my business what you and your wife or your spouse or your significant other, what you choose to do. I hey, don't Michael, care if... Let, let me stop you for a sec, only to say I agree with everything you just said completely. The only thing that makes abortion difficult is, even though you may disagree... You're talking about another potential life. That's what makes abortion so difficult to figure out, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. But again, it's not my choice. And you're right. Once there becomes viability, I certainly would not want to see somebody, um, you know, three days before they do decide that they want to abort a child. I certainly wouldn't want to see that. And I don't think most people would want to. And I don't think that over 50 years of having it during the, you know, within the first trimester, um, all this is going don't to you, do is one of two Michael, things. This issue, this issue should help Democrats, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I think that the, I think Republicans inadvertently gave a very significant talking point. If you are a woman, whether Agreed. you are one who is pro-choice or um, pro-life. 
This is taking away a fundamental right that you have to choose over yourself, your body, and so on. And I just find it, I find it to be the beginning of the end, simply because you hear things like from Clarence Thomas um, about how now Ogerbefeld, which is, you know, same-sex yeah. marriage, is now also an issue that they should be looking at in order to <clears throat> overturn simply because um, it's really not the court's decision to do it, but rather it should Agreed. be a congressional. Agreed. And that's and that and Michael, that's scary fucking bullshit. And my hope is and my belief is that Clarence Thomas is all alone on that, because even Alito and you may not be a fan of Alito in I his ruling. I know that's fine. Uh, in his ruling, he specifically said that this was different than Oberfell and same and contraception and interracial marriage and all that. So my hope is Clarence Thomas is on that fucking island all by himself. Yeah, well, unfortunately, but I don't think point. so. Not with not with Comey Barrett, not with Gorsuch, and not with Kavanaugh. You know, they are true Christian fundamentalists. I was there in the office when Trump received a multi-page document that were was a list of maybe a thousand judges that they wanted to have. And I'm talking about, uh, it was either the Federalist or the Heritage yeah. Society. It was, it was one of the, I forget which one it was, but it was a massive little list uh, of names and which court that they would want to have them appointed to. You know, this is a danger because we leave it up to the courts to determine how we exist Right. We, you, well, know, I, you bring a lawsuit hoping for justice. There's no justice anymore. We're a country. My, my father said this and it broke my heart that we're a country of laws without justice. This is a man who's a Holocaust survivor who loves America with all of his soul. He thinks there is no better place in the world. He's seen atrocities that, thank God, we will not yeah. see personally. Yeah. Right. And. All of a sudden, for him to change his view about America, that we're not what we what we were, not what he remembered when he first came to this country, that we're a country of laws with no justice. This is this is fucking horrible, man. It's a hey, Michael. It's horrible. But think about it. We have two major political parties. One of our two major political parties right now is fully radicalized and they're fully anti-democracy. I mean, think about that. I disagree with the Democrats on most things, but the Republicans are anti-democracy. Uh, we've never been here before. This is really scary. What's the one thing, if I can ask you, the, huh. just name one thing that you fundamentally disagree with the Democrats, that <laughs> you don't believe that there is a middle ground, like the way Tip O'Neill used to do shit. Right. You and I can fundamentally disagree on everything, but there has to be a middle ground. There has to be something yes. like with gun, like with gun reform. Right. That we definitely agree on because <clears throat> it just makes sense. I, I, and Michael, look, I've I've had a lot of people ask me, Joe, become a Democrat. These last few years, I think I'm probably too conservative to become a Democrat. But no, I, I can sit down with any Democrat on any issue and try to find some common ground. I, I, I want to get back to that. I mean, generally, Michael, I believe in a, a, a society of a much smaller government and a much and, and, a, and a free market and a free society out there doing their thing. 
Democrats in generally believe in a bigger government to address our problems. But there's plenty of room for compromise there. Yeah, I mean, but just give me like a specific example. Just one. I'll give you one. I can give you more than one. Free college. Bullshit. Free college. Bullshit. No, there should be no free college. Forgive student loans. Bullshit. No, we shouldn't forgive student loans. There's two right there. But I'd be I I'd talk about each of those. But I don't believe in free college or forgiving student loans. Well, you know, look, and I would just say to you, like when my father grew up in Toronto uh, after the war, when they he had you know wasn't able to stay in the country because they had taken their quotas, so they shipped them off to Toronto. Being you know, it's a socialist um, you know country. Say whatever yeah. you want about it. His tuition, including his medical school cost him less than one-tenth of one of my semesters at American. And as a father of um, two children that went to private school, um, and, and even greater was the Ivy League, this is the amount of money that you pay for what you expect to be a top-notch education is out of control. So yes. I th- the goal that I believe that they're trying for is that everyone should have the ability to go to the best possible school to be the best person that they can be intellectually and then, of course, socially. Um, sometimes the expense is so much that... It just keeps people, it keeps people away. And I mean, look, you know, Harvard has an endowment. In essence, they shouldn't take a single dollar from any student ever because the amount of money that they're earning in interest would more than pay for the entire operation of the school. Michael, I agree with that. But that decision should be Harvard's decision, not the government telling Harvard you have to do this. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Look, one of the things that as Americans that we want is we want our we want our citizens to be educated like they do in other countries. And unfortunately, it's not equal. So I guarantee you and I sat down for a half an hour. We could figure something out. There's no We'd doubt find in a my mind. We'd find Michael. On that yes. issue, you and I would find a compromise. Right. I totally agree. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think the Democrats are down for the fight I mean, on all fronts, the courts, the election, Mitch McConnell. I mean, because Democrats don't fight dirty in the same way that the GOP does. Now, you've worked on both sides of the aisle and also both sides of the media. What what tactics do you think that the Democrats should employ to get things moving? Like, I don't think that the Republicans would tolerate cinema and mansion. How should we, meaning Democrats, meaning myself, deal with them? And how do we get our candidates elected? Hey, Michael, every day I talk to 100 people who don't like either party. I talk to low information voters who aren't Republican or Democrat. And every fucking day, every single one of them says the same thing to me. They say Republicans are assholes. Democrats are pussies who don't understand me. And generally, if you have to choose between an asshole and a pussy who doesn't understand you, you're going to vote for the asshole. So what's the lesson there for Democrats? They need to fucking fight. They need to become more. They need to become tougher assholes. But the problem also, Michael, is Democrats are becoming the party of rich white liberals. 
and they're losing touch with regular working class people. That's a real problem that Democrats need to get their arms around. They really do. Yeah, Republicans have the same problem. Look at the people who were the biggest donors to Trump, like the Sheldon Adelson, right? Or the Koch brothers. I mean, you know, come on, the Koch brothers do $115 billion a year in revenue. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah both sides have that guy. Bo- both, both sides, sides have, have that guy. Right. And again, it goes to the whole compromise. You know, but that's, that's the whole thing. And I totally agree with you. Democrats don't know how to fight dirty. It's something that I yes. wish Jamie Harrison would give me a call. I know how to fight. Listen. You play Trump for a second. Let's just play a quick game, right? One, one, one question. I'm going to let you even come up with the question. You be, you be Trump, and I'm going to be me. And we're off in a debate, right? And I want you to be like Trump, that asshole, that big, gigantic yeah. blob, you know, bobbing and weaving behind Hillary during a debate and so on. You know, what topic do you want to discuss or debate if we were running against one another? Well, I, you know, uh, uh, we... we I built 500 miles of wall. Uh, you're going to reelect me. I'm going to get the damn thing finished. We need a wall on the border. I built half of it. I'm going to build more of it. We got to keep those shitty people out of this country. The only shitty person that needs to be out of this country is you, you fat shit. Second boom. of all, boom is right. Second of all, you didn't build a goddamn thing. You, wall that fell down, all you did is put it back up. In fact, your other acolyte, Steve Bannon, ended up robbing your own supporters by taking millions and millions of dollars, right, so that he could stick it in his pocket under the guise that we were going to build the wall. All right. The building the wall is not as you say. Building the wall is not going to keep people out. In fact, what we should be looking at, you you asshole and a half, and I would say it on television, and I would call him exactly what is you fucking asshole and a half. What we need to do is come up with proper immigration. Oh, yeah, but you had four years to come up with that. Instead, what did you do? You took children away from their parents. You threw them into fucking cages, giving them a Mylar blanket and a bottle of water. There's a fucking kid who's eight, nine months old basically by himself with a diaper that hasn't been changed in five days trying to drag it around. This is what this is what you think America is? Why don't you go back to Germany, Scotland, or wherever fucking country like Saudi Arabia would end up taking you? Get the fuck Michael, off the stage. Michael, if a Democrat on stage responded to what Trump said like you just did, that Democrat would win hands down. Bingo. But I, I don't know of a Democrat who talks that way. That's yeah, how well, you have to do it. Yeah, I look, it's it's sad. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, as the hour goes by very quickly in our heated conversation and so on, do you, th- right, I, vice versa, do you think the country would benefit more from new blood in both parties rather mm-hmm. than going back to the same, you know, white male octogenarians, meaning Biden and Trump, right? Because, and... All the old men at the top, they're all exactly the same. So if so, who do you like? Do you see promise in anyone in particular? And I want to talk about both sides here. And how about this one? How about you? Would you ever run again? Hey, Michael, I'd love to run again. I'd love to go back to Congress. I'd love to run for president again. I just don't have a fucking banner right now. I don't have a team. Look, look, uh, because I want, Michael, I want people like you and I. I want people who are independent and straight shooters. Um, Yeah, we have too many old people who are leaders, Pelosi, Schumer, Mitch McConnell, uh, Trump, Biden. Yeah, absolutely. 
But these young people need to get involved and engaged. And I don't mind older people if they still got it. I don't agree with Bernie a lot, but Bernie's still got his shit together. He's still going strong. Um, you know, I think there are some strong Democrats out there. I, I'm, I'm helping Tim Ryan in Ohio. I hope he mm -hmm. can beat J.D. Vance. I think Tim Ryan is a guy who, you know, could be one of the rising stars among Democrats. Um, I don't mind. Michael, I, I like AOC. AOC's a fighter. I think she's smart. I think she's got a real future. Yeah, look, you know, I have nothing against AOC that I don't agree with much that she says. But then again, as I said, yes, I, I'm a Democrat, as I said before, I've been my entire life. But really, what am I? You could take me out of either party. Yeah. You could take me out of, you know, the independent party. What am I? I am a fiscal conservative and I am a social moderate. Social I believe liberal. I believe in, you know, people having the rights, you know, you want if you want to marry in same sex, you want to marry in a racial, I don't care. Now, do I draw a line somewhere? Yeah, I don't understand this whole thing where I identify as a cow and I go off to some, you know, yeah. uh, local county fair with my pants off and say I want to be milked. Right. Yeah. I have a fundamental problem with that. Um, you know, there are things that I agree with. There are things that I don't agree with. But fundamentally, I think everyone in this country is exactly the same as I am. It's the far outer ring, you know, rings that are the things that are dividing us as a country. And, you know, another thing that my dad used to always say is that a strong America, and I've been parroting my dad on this forever, a strong America means a strong world. A weak America means a weak world. It's the one thing I have to say Joe Biden is actually doing, which is I think he's internationally making us more respected, making Agreed. us stronger. I loved what he did Agreed. yesterday uh, when he was with, uh, with the prime minister of Israel talking about yeah. technology and that Iron Dome now as a laser. I mean, you know, basically, if you are an adversary to America or to democracy, you really need to start scratching your head and saying, what the fuck is this, right? Yeah. Like what Israel did with the Iron Dome, where it's like, you're yeah. not going to penetrate our airspace. In fact, we have technology that will send back to you what you sent to us times 10, right? And so sometimes you do have to win your point through force and through fear of force. And look, I am 100% um, happy that they are together. And I like the fact even, you know, I'm not a big fan of MBS because of what happened with Khashoggi, yeah. um, you know, uh, and the way that uh, he's running Saudi Arabia. However, yeah. I am ecstatic that there is conversation that's going on because I don't want to see any child die. I don't want to see any person die. I don't want to see when I, you know, when I see a Palestinian child or a soldier, or somebody, you know, killed. It upsets me the same as if it's an Israeli soldier. And I don't like listening to this bullshit about, well, you know, they started it and that there can never be peace. I say bullshit. There has to be a solution. Am I the guy to come up with the solution? No. But I think if you have enough people sitting there and you start with a compromise, things will ultimately get better. And I don't believe that Jared's move by moving the embassy from you know, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is creating any Middle Eastern peace at all. That's just my opinion. Hey, Michael, I'll, I'll close with this. 
Um, and I love Biden getting us out of Afghanistan. He did what Trump couldn't do. I thought Biden, that showed a lot of courage. Biden has strengthened us internationally. But everything you just said about what you believe, you're where most Americans are. And, and there better be a fucking political party that can represent you. A common sense, radically centrist, tolerant, let's get shit done kind of a party. That should be the Democratic Party because uh, it ain't going to be the Republican Party. Amen to that, my friend. Joe, so good to see you. Um, you know, anything I can do, you know, for you, for Tim Ryan, I'm a big fan, by the way. Um, you know, you please let me know and um, stay safe, my friend. And I will see you as soon as, uh, as soon as I'm coming to collect that dinner bet. Done. Stay safe as well. <laughs> Love you, Michael Cohen. Be good, my friend. Thank you. And now for today's mea culpa. I've had guests on in the past who've talked about the various ways to deprogram cult members, which frankly isn't easy. For so many cult members, what drew them in was a sense of belonging. You are better for being in the cult because the cult adds meaning to their lives. For a true believer, it feels scary and shameful to face the truth. How could I have done this to myself? How could I have done this to my family? And worse is the fear that the cult will turn on you if you leave and attack you for being a traitor. In fact, one real clue that you're in a cult is that they make it so hard to go. When someone walks away, the shit hits the fan. They are excommunicated. They become the object of hate and ridicule from anyone still inside the cult. And that's just not normal. Escapees usually feel emotionally and mentally naked without the cover of the cult. They are alone and usually pretty traumatized. But once you're on the other side, they are free. Most MAGA cult members don't want to bring up Trump with people on the outside. They don't want to explain their obsession with him. But if you care about keeping this democracy, you have to challenge those you like or only sort of like on the continuing support of the former president. Here are some suggestions that Trump deprogrammer Dan Roderick shared with me. Challenge them to go a week without Fox News, political talk radio, or online political forums. Sounds so simple, but like any addiction, it's a hard habit to break. The second way, when they say Biden is a terrible president, inflation and gas prices are his fault, he has Alzheimer's, he and Hillary are messing with kids in the basement of a pizza joint, take a deep breath and remind them that there is no evidence of that. In fact, always insist on evidence and don't accept theory ever. Say, like him or not, Biden has never violated his oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Trump was the first president to refuse to accept the results of an election and resist the peaceful transfer of power. And there is no evidence to support the claim that the 2020 election was stolen. None. Absolutely none. But, 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 what about 2,000 mules? 2,000 Mules is a fiction, and Dinesh D'Souza is a con man who received a pardon from Trump for committing campaign finance fraud. How about number three? Remind them that just because Trump says so doesn't make it a fact. Fact is, Trump lies constantly. Tell them you might like a lot of what Trump did in office, but that it's all beside the point now. 
What happened on January 6th was a crime against democracy, and we shouldn't elect any politician, president or his enablers in Congress, who supported the insurrection. And then fourth, when they ask you if you'd vote for Biden again, say, this is not about Biden. This is about Americans acting like grown-ups, coming to their senses, looking at evidence and recognizing that January 6th was a real crisis that could happen again and probably will if we don't hold those who tried to overthrow the government accountable. It all sounds so reasonable and obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people need to hear it. And if you can't get through to them, let it go. How about just do what I did with Joe? Agree to disagree. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa. Nothing but the truth.